0: Welcome to the Orange and Brown Report. This is your Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Jake Burns. Before we get started, I want to talk to you guys about Golden Goal, which is a fantastic new show on Blue Wire, which is the story of soccer legends. Each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers, all narrated by Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's Always Cheating podcast. From Haaland, Zlatan, Messi, Rapino, and many more, each episode will focus on historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after this episode and check out Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends, whenever you get your podcasts. So stay tuned after the episode and check out Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends, wherever you get your podcast. We'll have that intro to that podcast for you at the very end of this episode, so stay tuned to that. We're excited about today's episode. We are starting a brand new little Mini series ourselves here, um, branching off of the redraftables that Bill Simmons does on his podcast over at the Ringer Network. I kind of got the idea as I listened to those that there would be kind of a fun exercise to do on the Cleveland Browns because it's always a hot topic of dealing with the draft and the Browns, and there's so many epic failures over the years that I just kind of thought it would be a fun exercise to bring on various OBR guests uh, to talk about, you know, different parts of these drafts and how. They failed, and looking at picks they could have made potentially. So we will do every draft since the return, starting with 1999. We'll have Barry McBride on here in just a second, um, and we will uh, and we'll go through and we'll pick and we'll pick the first four picks of every draft. The Browns, if you remember in 1999, are coming back from their expansion um, situation, right? They they finally got their team back, so they had extra picks. So we will only go through the third round to make four picks, but we'll actually throw in a bonus pick today on the intro because they made five picks. In the first three rounds so um, you know it's going to be fun exciting we're going to do a simple rule here which is you can take any player at the pick that the Browns are up that has not been selected so if they're picking 1.1 which they are in this draft you can take any player in the entire draft right but if they pick uh, round two pick one you cannot take a player selected before that time in the draft any point after that you can take a player you can bend the rules a little bit if you would like and wait on a player you know is taken late to take a little later on I am of the yoke of saying that if this player was available in the draft at this point, I would take that player right this second. Um, So we're not doing 32 teams where everybody changes their picks. We're keeping the draft the same, but saying, hey, the Browns are geniuses in this situation and know that this player taken maybe in the sixth or seventh round was actually going to be really good so they could take them earlier. So... Is only for the Browns, not for the entire league. And and some of these picks, obviously, if it were the entire league redrafting, they would take them much higher than the Browns picks. But that's not the purpose of this fun little exercise. So we will only do Browns picks and look at guys they could have selected. These are guys they could have selected at the spots that they were up to pick. And I think that's the fun exercise here is saying if the Browns were extremely smart drafters, they could have picked these guys at these spots. And um, this should be fun. So, Barry, how are you, my friend?
1: I am doing great. Really looking forward to... uh adopting some 2020 hindsight here and uh, trying to play myself off as smarter than Dwight Clark yes that's, that's, uh,
0: a, that's the thing to remember Dwight Clark is the one making the selections here in 1999 that's
1: right that's right and uh, you know he uh, he takes a lot of grief because he had all those picks uh, that he could have done a lot of uh, damage with but uh, uh, he had a couple ones that as we go through it that weren't that bad. You know, but uh, obviously a lot of opportunity was lost in, in 99. It was lost. There were, there were. I think we'll do these,
0: more of these berries, we'll, we'll see more drafts that were stacked with middle-round talent. This one didn't have a ton. If you recall, this is the Tim Couch draft where the Browns take first, and there's a run on quarterbacks. The first three quarterbacks are up for debate leading into the draft. It was McNabb and Achilles Smith, and then the running backs who ended up being the two stalwarts of the class. Really a bad running back class, Barry, outside of Edwin James and Ricky Williams, who went 4-5. and five. Mm-hmm. Nobody really did anything as a running back in the league when you look at this. And the best way, if you're following along, is to look at the Wikipedia page, because it really lets you sort these guys in a friendly manner. Um, you know, for you Ohio State gurus, David Boston was a, a pick here. He went 8th. And um, uh, a, a familiar name you, you, you may have forgot, but if you were a fan of Ohio State in the 90s, you'll never forget, which is Andy Katzemoyer, pick 28 to New England. Um but yeah, I, I mean I it, it, this this draft is peculiar. I mean, there was a lot of interesting stuff going on. This is the draft that New Orleans gave up their entire 2000 draft to move up and get Ricky Williams, if you recall, uh, which is always one of the more historic trades of all time in the NFL so um but yeah, we won't waste time we, we trying to keep these around the 20 minute mark as best we can and not eat up everybody's day, but I think it's fun, so i'll I'll throw the table to you. we'll each make our picks, but I have some discussion about each one, but you're up on 1.1. Who would you take in this redraft?
1: Well, you know, the team is starting off as an expansion team. They've got an empty roster uh, despite, uh, you know, picking Jim Pine in the expansion draft. And I think you start off with a quarterback. Now, it's very tempting to select Chant Bailey here, who had just an incredible career uh, for the Redskins, Uh, but I'm going to start with Donovan McNabb. Uh, I think you need to start with the quarterback and build around him, Uh, and he would be the choice there. Uh, You'd also be tempted if you were in Clark's shoes to trade for all those uh, Saints picks, you know, but that's not the way we're playing this game uh, at this point. And, uh, you know, McNabb, uh, six Pro Bowls, uh, played for over a decade, Um, you know, didn't – you know, have a reputation as a guy who uh, would take you all the way to a Super Bowl win, but he was a very good quarterback, in my opinion, and uh, probably pretty good for an expansion team because of his mobility. I yeah. would think.
0: Yep, yeah, that's the biggest. Uh, thing.
1: Uh, yeah, given the <laughs> the offensive line we were rolling with in 1999, we needed someone who could run for his life, and McNabb, you know, in retrospect, uh, wasn't. Getting that much hype in Cleveland, it seemed like the debate, if I remember back that far, was between Tim Couch and Achilles Smith uh, more than anyone else. But uh, McNabb was a choice.
0: I think that's a logical pick. And, and you nailed it when you said, you know, a guy who can get out of the pot. The Browns' offensive line was just atrocious. And it had no option but to be atrocious for years. You know, until they could get a free agency look and guys and, and, and draft and, and try to draft some people. You can only do so much with an offensive line that is expansion-based. And, look, maybe maybe Tim Couch, if you switch these two, Tim Couch goes to Philly and has a fantastic career because he's protected a little bit better. And maybe Donovan comes to Cleveland and, and uh, is never quite the guy you'd hope he would be because he's just running for his life, much like Tim had to deal with. But you at least have, Barry, like you said – a little bit of hope that Donovan could get himself out of some terrible situations and be able to find some answers that Tim certainly was was certainly not mobile enough to do. And I get the Tim Couch stuff. It was how mummy, that quick decision-making offense that was taking over college football at the time and the air raid mm-hmm. and all of that. And it's it's not a pick that you look back on and say, God, the Browns were idiots for making that pick. Tim Couch, like we said, maybe, maybe in the right system, not system, but in the right situation with the right team around him, could have been a very good quarterback. I mean, he ended up, as rough as his time was in Cleveland, he started 62 games. I mean, Keeley Smith started 22 games his entire career in the league. So right. they did the right thing right. picking there. It's just McNabb, you know, in the, in, the, in the fortune of this situation with hindsight, is is the right pick. 234 touchdowns in his career, 37,000 yards. And, and uh, yeah, Champ Bailey's certainly up for consideration. And in the right situation, you could... Uh, you know, you could certainly see trading back to seven. I mean, God, New Orleans only moved up a couple of picks and gave up all of that to move up a couple of picks. But, um, yeah, so I think McNabb is the consensus number one there in a redraft. So we're up to, to the next round's pick. They don't have another first-round pick. And I should mention, too, for Buckeye people, Antoine Winfield also went to to, That's right. to Buffalo. We're up in, in 130 pick, first pick of the second round, which at this time was pick 32 before we had 32 teams in the league. Um... But yeah, so this is, this is the pick that is Kevin Johnson. And while it's a pretty good pick, um, and, and one that I think that is, uh, is not bad, uh, let me look here real quick, Barry. Kevin Johnson, as far as receivers in this class, Kevin Johnson had, um, I think he finished eighth in total touchdowns, 25 for his career. Let's check yards. He was 7th uh, in yards. He's not, it's certainly not a bad pick. And I thought Kevin Johnson was good in his tenure in Cleveland, but who did you take there? Did you take him or did you take someone
1: else? Well, like you, I, I liked Kevin Johnson. Uh, unfortunately for him, if you go all the way down into the 7th round, uh, you'll find a guy who, uh, at the wide receiver position, uh, amassed much more uh, statistics over his career, more Pro Bowl appearances. Uh, and greater longevity, and that's Donald Driver. Now, I've always had a question about whether Driver uh, would have had the career that he had uh, if he wasn't playing with Brett Favre, but you can't argue with the numbers. You can't argue with his success over the long term, and uh, I'm sticking at wide receiver with my second pick, and I'm taking taking Driver. Boy, we're we're off to the same start here, and we'll probably mirror each other pretty consistently, but yeah, I
0: mean... I'm sure we could do this with any of these picks, that maybe they come to the Cleveland situation and it's haywire, but we don't know that. So we have to presume that maybe that they have a similar career in Cleveland. And, and you know, if you pair up Driver with Donovan McNabb right away, it could work out. It could be okay. And, you mm-hmm. know, Driver had 743 catches in his career, 10,137 yards, 61 touchdowns. He finished second in the class and pretty much everything behind – uh, Tory Holt, which uh, Tory will be—is if, if, Tory a Hall of Famer? If not, he will be. He's—he had a—he had a fantastic career, but yeah, driver seventh pick, two hundred thirteen overall. Uh, like I said, out of Alcorn State, little known player, obviously a long shot type, and uh, proves to be very well worth it. Pick thirty-two and one that I think would be a safe pick in a redraft. Um, you know, another guy sneaky there is Brandon Stokely who who got himself with the mm-hmm. right quarterback and, and Peyton Manning at the right time. Marty Booker was a third receiver in the class 539 he was a chicago selection picked 78 in the third round 37 touchdowns and 6700 yards um, but yeah that's 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 the right pick i think those two value positions even when the nfl didn't necessarily it may may have been you know crazier driven by running backs being picked higher in the draft at this point and wide receivers didn't get them maybe the necessary luster that they should have but you got to you got to pair as we know today even the game was evolving then. You got to pair quarterbacks up with receiver talent who can make plays happen. So I like those two picks. We're on the same page. Pick forty-five now is uh, is up. So I'm interested. We may deviate from each other here. Who do you got?
1: Well, I figure we got a guy to throw the ball, the guy to catch the ball. And now we need a guy who can uh, uh, rush the opposing passer. And the guy I picked up here, and this will be the start of a trend uh, where. Uh, we start to see which AFC North teams were successful and which were not. Uh, and my pick in uh, instead of Raheem Abdullah is uh, Joey Porter. Uh, Joey Porter uh, was originally picked by the Steelers in the third round. Uh, and, again, this is a question, you know, the Steelers pick for their system. Uh, so it's hard to tell how much of this was Porter and how much was him just being put into a good System with a good team around him. Uh, but he impressed enough people to go to four Pro Bowls, and uh, that would certainly be an upgrade over Raheem Abdullah.
0: Yeah, 20, 25 starts for Raheem Abdullah, I think, and his entire – no, 29 for his entire career. So, um, yeah, I think it's safe to say they'd pick somebody else here. Joey Porter with 98 sacks. That is by far the most in this, um, this class. He actually had 12 interceptions, which were top 12 in the entire class too – uh, mm-hmm. tied with uh Dalen McCutcheon, uh ironically enough, who will pick that spot in a little bit. But yeah, I think I think it's pretty obvious here. The only other guy that I thought was in consideration, and he was in consideration for pick thirty two and then you could maybe take driver a pick later was Mike Preston, who's a linebacker there out of um out of Florida who started for the Colts. Hundred ninety eight total starts in his career was a really solid interior linebacker but I think Joey Porter going driver then Joey Porter at pick 45 just makes a ton of sense Joey Porter yeah you I mean he arrives in the right time with the right defense and and uh was was definitely a culture making type of guy there before James Harrison arrived and started to really establish that nastiness for Pittsburgh again that they that they needed on and they just seem to always bring in enough talent along those lines and Porter was uh was the best rusher of the passer production wise in this class, and I don't see how he wouldn't have been at least relatively production sorry, productive in Cleveland. So we are we are mirroring each I swear guys we did not talk about this ahead of time. <laughs> I promise you. Before we get on to the last two picks, which is where we might actually have some differences. Bet online I'm talk yeah. to you about them real quick. With sports coming back, the MLB seems to be on the right track. The NBA as well. There's no better time to partner up with BetOnline. So get in for the action. Whether, like I said, it's UFC, NASCAR, Formula 1, Premier League, the NBA, MLB, it's all around the corner. Can't wait for your team to come back. BetOnline has future odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out the Madden. Simulations and 2K simulations that are up, and you can wager on those every single day should you like. So visit BetOnline.ag, use that promo code BLUEWIRE, receive your welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, your BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Now, back to the draft. So we are on now pick three, in the third round, pick 62. Um, mm-hmm. Let me get back and sort this the right way. And if you look <laughs> at the Browns, they actually, like I just mentioned a minute ago, they picked Dalen McCutcheon, who was... One of their more solid picks, 12 career interceptions. He played 37 games, or sorry, he played 103 games, and uh, was was actually a guy that was a big part of the Browns for a decent amount of time here, probably their second most productive player out of this draft class. Did you stick with him, or did you go in a different direction?
1: I went in a different direction. Uh, I thought about it for a little bit. I always liked Dalen. He had a pretty good career, Uh, was a little bit undersized, but... uh, just one of those guys who who made a lot of plays. But uh, I'd go with another Steeler here. And, uh, again, this paints a picture of a Steeler franchise, which is able to get good value out of mid-round picks. Uh, the guy I'm picking here is another guy to get after the quarterback, and that's defensive end Aaron Smith. Uh, he wound up playing nine seasons, wound up with 44 career sacks, was in the Pro Bowl, and uh, that's pretty darn good if you ask me for – Top of the third round and a little bit of an upgrade over McCutcheon in my view. I dig
0: it. We we differed a little bit here. I also went defensive back, um, but uh, or sorry, defense, and I went defensive back. I was looking for somebody kind of value, uh, but also a really good career. So I went Mike McKenzie, who uh, had 28 career interceptions, third in the <laughs> in the class. Um, he was out of out of Memphis. I think they need somebody in the back half that they feel like they can still build around. And I was, I was torn. There were three names at the end of this that I wanted to go with for various reasons. We'll discuss my other one at pick 76. But I think they needed some sort of stability on the back half. I missed out on Dre Bly. missed out on Champ Bailey, Winfield, among many others. Um, so I went with Mike McKenzie here, hoping that we could get some sort of anchoring in the secondary. So that's my – he played 138 games. Like I said, 413 tackles, 28 interceptions. So, uh, had, you know, was around the football enough that he would have impacted them for, for five, six years.
1: Yeah, certainly would have. Um, you know, looking forward to pick 76, which was Marquis Smith uh, for the uh, Browns, a uh, supposedly hard-hitting safety. Uh, didn't make that much of an impact on the field of play. The guy I picked at this spot mm-hmm. instead of Marquis Smith, Mike McKenzie. <laughs> uh, nice. For much the same reason. So we were very much on the same wavelength here. Uh, 28 uh, interceptions over nine seasons, much more impactful than Smith was. Uh, And, uh, you know, the one thing, you know, looking back on these picks, obviously with 2020 hindsight, you're able to find a lot of value. Uh, The one uh, issue I would have is that I would really have loved to have picked up uh, a developmental tackle uh, or somebody who could help on the offensive line I sort of loaded up on defense in the in the later going, but uh, I apologize for nothing. My no, twenty twenty hindsight's pretty good, I think.
0: You, yeah, you shouldn't have. It was actually a really bad tackle class. As I look at this. The fourteenth yeah. pick was John Tate, who had sort of an underwhelming career. His biggest memory in the NFL is is being the guy who received the football and ran down the sideline on the um, uh, the helmet tossing situation. Help me out there. Who what, what was his name? Um, Dwayne Rudd, yes. So that was that was the big the big uh, as we hear a little dog barking action in the background there. Um, yeah, the Dwayne Rudd game. John Tate is the one that had, catches that that flipped football from Trent Green, and and that's his biggest memory. But yeah, like Aaron Gibson goes 27th. L.J. Shelton, all of which were underwhelming performers for the most part. There, I mean Chris Terry. I don't even know who you could pick. John Jansen has a decent little run. It's not a good guard or tackle class. So what it came down to for me, there were three people that I really liked here uh, for this pick. So uh, if, if I'm looking at and I like interior players that play for a while. Roderick Coleman uh, was picked in the fifth round, pick 153 East Carolina, had 58.5 career sacks, three seasons as a defensive tackle where he had over double-digit sacks. So he had a great little run. Um, uh, Coleman did from from ninety nine to two thousand seven. And like I said, in oh two, oh three, or sorry, oh two, oh four, oh five, he had over ten sacks in each of those seasons. So he was definitely a difference maker getting after the quarterback on the interior and had a good long run. The other guy I was interested was Todd McClure who played I think Todd McClure was a center who played close to as many games as anybody. He had 198 games as a seventh round pick for the Falcons. Just a consistent center and I think that when this with this draft class the Browns certainly did not did not attack the offensive line with not a single selection in this draft uh, an offensive lineman whatsoever, so um, I, I thought that maybe a guy who could anchor the center position for the foreseeable future he was from two thousand to two thousand and twelve with the Falcons was McClure he ran uh, he ran the unit like I said he restarted sixteen games from two thousand and one to two thousand and ten and then missed three in two thousand and eleven and played another sixteen in two thousand and twelve and I think Atlanta has honored him. So that would have been a really wise pick. The only other one that I considered that I thought made sense given the situation in terms of um, production and being available was Roosevelt Colvin, which was the Chicago linebacker picked in the fourth round, pick 111, 283 solo tackles, three interceptions, 52 and a half sacks, more of a pass rushing linebacker. But I, I ended up going with Roderick Coleman. So I thought Coleman could be a nice interior defensive lineman for the foreseeable future could could save them from picking somebody like Gerard Warren down the line and um, you know I just I just like guys that, that the positions can get after the quarterback in the interior so I went McNabb, Driver, Porter and then McKenzie and Coleman and I think that was our only difference was um, that, that they're at pick 62 but this was fun this is a good little exercise and I think it'll be fun for everybody down the line to see where the Browns could have went different and how things would have changed for this group in general um, you know, over the course of the franchise if they had just had picked a few of these guys. Maybe not all of them, but just a few of them. So I appreciate it, Barry. I hope you had fun, man.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh like you I searched around for offensive tackles and couldn't find anybody that was a good pick uh at that spot. And uh I'd be pretty happy with uh with these five picks that we amassed uh uh yours or mine. Uh I think would have set the the Browns up in pretty good shape. As it was, well you know tough times uh, couch was was he was and uh <laughs> you know kevin johnson mccutcheon were okay uh but uh you know no uh, hall of famers in that group no not at all and and that's a it's it is an expansion
0: team it's hard to get there it took the browns certainly took the coach's path to anything i mean they they, they took to 2000 took to 2002 they got there with some of them but it was really sort of a fluky situation and We'll do more of these. We'll get we'll get a lot of one or both. It's kinda of tough because nineteen ninety nine it's hard to remember who some of the value picks were. So as we get going and I'm sure you'll be joining me next week too, we'll have a little bit more relevant names at the top of this. But yeah, I mean I, I certainly think people would know the first three picks without a doubt when McNabb, Driver, and Porter, and then you kinda of gotta dig around and look around at players' careers and games played and right. some of
1: their production and stuff like that. But this was fun, Barry. I appreciate it, buddy. Hey, no problem at all. Next time uh, let's not mention Dwayne Rudd. Uh, <laughs> sets my dog off. Apparently,
0: it, it does. I don't. I don't blame him, man. This is. Uh, it's always <laughs> a name that that, that 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 evokes anger in the surrounding parts of the Cleveland area. So I'm with Absol- you. This is fun. We'll we'll do we'll do more of these. We'll have. I think Fred. Fred Greetham's going to join me tomorrow to do uh, 2000, 2000, and then we're going to get Jared Mueller in for 2001. So this is good stuff. We appreciate you guys joining us here at the OBR, and uh, make sure you're checking out and subscribing to the iTunes and wherever you get your Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, all that stuff, and then join us at the website. Got great deals going all the time. Head of the the, the season that is still set up to happen, and we hope you get with us and join us and, and partake in everything that we have going on there with Ask the Insider. We talk next time guys,
2: from brown. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast Golden Goal. Messi
0: takes everybody Messi's got it.
2: From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. And he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up. To Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.